Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Saddest Night Out, episode number 329. My name is Roy. I'm the host of this daily podcast. It's Thursday, the 5th of January, 2023, and I'd like to start by saying a big hello to Owen, Charlotte, Max, and Gabriella. They are the four newest subscribers to my Patreon, and I am enormously grateful for all of you for coming along and joining me on this. I think it's safe to say all four of you found me via TikTok, specifically via the live streams I do on TikTok. Owen and Charlotte actually joined the Patreon yesterday evening. And yesterday's live stream, by the way, I'm sure you're all wondering at the edge of your seats. I did play She-Wolf by Shakira. It went down a tree. It blew the house down. It was a great success. But yesterday's live stream was the first time I really tried to actively mention I have a Patreon. There's a link in the bio, same for this podcast, there's a link in the bio for the Patreon. It's a pound a month. And specifically with the live streams, I said, when it comes to specific requests that are a little bit off the beaten path, if you join my Patreon and send me a message through that, I will seriously consider your request and try my best to learn it and perform it. A lot of people... Yesterday's live stream, I kind of advertised it as Strokes Bass Fest. And I was mainly playing bass lines by the Strokes. I wanted to learn all of their bass lines and perform them all. I ended up playing some other crowd pleasers, some other songs from that time, like uh, Kings of Leon was requested. I played The Killers, Block Party, some of the usual suspects. But it's almost inevitable that people start to request, start to throw in nothing but requests. So I said, you know what? I appreciate you taking an interest and wanting to request. If you do want a request to be played, come and join the Patreon. And Owen and Charlotte were two people that did do that. So I look forward to hearing what it is you'd like to hear me play on the live streams. And again, just grateful that you are here in the first place. As for the Patreon in general, it is a link in my bio if you'd like to join it. It is a pound a month. And I currently have a grand total of 10. I like a round number. I've got 10 patrons on there right now. And they are Dan... Mike, Pete, Meg, Curtis, Ken, Gabriella, Max, Charlotte, and Owen. Gabriella and Owen, I hope I said your names correctly. Please do let me know if my pronunciation isn't right. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for sticking around. If you haven't joined and you'd like to, the link, once again, is in the bio, and it is £1 a month. As for today's episode... Oh, in other news regarding this whole Saddest Night Out entity. I've also reached 100 subscribers on YouTube, another nice round number. So 10 on Patreon and 100 on YouTube. Thank you. If anyone who subscribes to me on YouTube happens to be listening to this, thank you very much for doing so. One thing, I'm still a little bit unsure about what specifically to share on YouTube. But one thing that's definitely come to mind is that I should make an effort to make it clear on each individual platform where you can find me on other platforms. Right now, there's a link in the bio and it's up to you to just go and look for my bio and then click the link to see for yourself. But it couldn't hurt. Like yesterday's live stream, anyone that watched me could have gone to my bio, clicked the link, seen as a Patreon, but it makes a difference to just say, hey, I have this. It still feels weird to do that because I think there's some perception that what you anything someone does online in this regard is could just be seen as a hobby, as fun. So why should I pay for it? And so you as the creator can feel a bit awkward to say to the viewers, to the audience, hey, if you want to help support me, you can do this. That's a voice, that's a muscle that I'm still strengthening. But one thing I definitely can do 
is just make it clear on all the different platforms where I can be found. So people on YouTube who might have followed me because of the odd video I posted on there might have no idea that I have a daily podcast or that I go live on TikTok. So that's the next corner that I will turn and then take things from there. I won't read out all 100 subscribers. I will just say if there's any from YouTube who are here, thank you very much. Again, you can join the Patreon or feel free to let me know via YouTube comments, I guess, or maybe a direct message if you are here as well. Or you can send me a voice note. Again, link in bio. That, that's enough of that for now. But generally and genuinely, thank you to all of you. In other news, getting back to the music side of things, I haven't really spoken specifically about music in general in the last couple of episodes. It's been, they've been more personal episodes, so let's take it back to the music. In episode 326 of this podcast, I talked about the nominees for BBC Sound of 2023. This is a poll, that the, a list the BBC presents after taking a poll of a bunch of important figures in, in UK music, basically asking people who they think are the ones to watch in the coming year. And among that list was the girl group Flo, and it's just been announced today that they are the winners of BBC Sound of 2023. I think I mentioned in episode 326 that they are my favourites to win, and I'm very glad that that is the case, because their debut single, Cardboard Box, if you haven't heard it, it is as fantastic as a debut single can be. It's such a formidable entry to the public conscious to the public consciousness i think that's the term i want and it was a, a tweet i wish i could remember who it was that tweeted that video and said something like the uk girls aren't aren't playing around but such a knockout single and they are i think if i'm really being honest they are the most exciting new act that comes to mind right now they haven't even released a date an actual album yet or anything i don't think they've even gone on a proper tour I think there might be a show in February, but FLO, Foxtrot Lima Oscar. Go and check them out, and then you can thank me later. Flo have won BBC Sound of 2023. And I mean it when I say they are the most exciting new act, for my money anyway. Which brings me to my next topic, which is, who should headline Glastonbury? According to Michael Evis, who is essentially Mr. Glasto. He's the, he's the founder of Glastonbury Festival. And I trust everyone listening to this knows what Glastonbury Festival is. He says that the headliners have been locked in for this year, 2023, and next year, 2024. The only confirmed headliner that we, the public, know of is Elton John. He's going to headline in 2023, I think the Saturday, but I'm not sure. And it is going to be his last ever UK show. He's very much on the farewell circuit, which has been delayed because of lockdown and so on. But he's back. And what a way to go out. Headline act at Glastonbury Festival. That's sure to be an unforgettable show. But no one else has been announced. No other headliners, not even any other acts on the bill in general. I think there's still time if you are a relatively new artist to apply to play Glastonbury. Watch this space. But as far as headliners are concerned, that means there are still five slots up for guessing. I can't imagine 2024 will be announced until 2024. But that doesn't mean we can't guess. So I've been thinking, who could or is most likely to be a headliner at Glassman in the next few years? By the way, just a side note, I think these episodes that I do 
maybe 20 minutes might be the average length I go for. For a moment, I was trying to aim for under 10. I've been very unsuccessful in doing that the last couple of episodes. I made a bunch of notes for this episode, and I think I'm looking at 20 minutes. Is that okay? Is that too long, too short? Let me know in the usual ways. Back to the topic. So who should headline Glastonbury? Flo being my most exciting artist of the coming year makes me think about how when it comes to trying to predict who could headline a festival as big as Glastonbury, the most fertile genre isn't rock music, which is typically the go-to genre for who headlines festivals like this. It's pop music. If I'm trying to think of who would be an exciting act to headline a festival, the type of acts that I think would get the most response would be pop acts, not rock acts. And also, when it comes to headlining Glastonbury, the, the, the basic, the rudimentary rule of thumb is that you will have someone quote-unquote classic. This year we're having Elton John, last year Paul McCartney, someone of that ilk, of that stature. I think we previously had The Cure as well. We've had U2, we've had Bruce Springsteen. You see where I'm coming from. You have someone of that calibre. There'll typically be at least a UK artist. The, the classic artist might also fulfil the UK artist slot. There'll be, I think, typically at least a band. One band will be up there. And I feel like they are making more of an effort to have someone who can appeal to the younger crowd, someone who isn't necessarily British and someone who isn't necessarily a typical guitar-based rock band. I'm thinking, most recently, Billie Eilish would fit that bill. So we've got someone of legendary status, legendary status someone from the UK, some kind of rock band, and maybe... I guess you say a pop, a pop act. But the names that most quickly came to mind were all pop acts. So, 2020 Glastonbury was cancelled. The headliners for that year were, I think, Kendrick Lamar, Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift. Now, Kendrick and Paul... It feels weird to call him Paul, as if, as if I know him personally. You know, my, my mate Paul. Kendrick Lamar and Sir Paul McCartney have both since played rescheduled, slots, rescheduled headline slots at Glastonbury. Taylor Swift hasn't yet. So there is a Taylor Swift-shaped hole at the Glastonbury stage, and 2023 makes sense for Taylor to make, I would say her return, but really her arrival, because she hasn't had the chance to play there yet. So Taylor's the most obvious lock, but time will tell. I'm sure everyone listening to this is somewhat aware that Taylor made the news not too long ago because of her tour coming up and tickets being sold for that. People tend to get onto their detective game of, okay, who's going on tour next year? Do they have gaps in their tour schedule around June? And I think Taylor just about does. So that could very much be the case. Either this year or next year, I think Taylor's a definite. But, you know, I stand to be corrected. The next name that immediately came to mind is Beyonce. She released her most recent album, Renaissance, last year. It was on many people's album of the year lists with good reason. That album didn't do much for me when I first heard it, but I can be a bit slow when it comes to uh, marquee albums like that. Another album that did that for me is Doja Cat, when her most recent album, Planet Her, came out. My first simple... I guess I'm a simple man with simple taste, but my first listen was, eh, I don't really hear it. And then, of course, every single song essentially became a trending sound and was massive. And then even a few months after that, I was like, hey, you know what? Have you folks checked out Planet Her? It's actually really good. So I'm a bit slow when it comes to that kind of thing. But Beyonce is the first name that came to mind because she released Renaissance last year. She hasn't... There have been rumours of a tour. Nothing's been confirmed. People are still waiting for visuals, for videos of the most recent album. So that 
could be an absolute knockout. She's headlined once before. It would be a welcome return. Rihanna is the next name that came to mind because she returned to music after a long break since her last proper album, Anti. She released a song for the Black Panther 2 movie, which I still haven't seen. There's a bit of history with me in the Black Panther series on this podcast. She came back with, with a song for that movie. She's playing the halftime show for the Super Bowl next year. Next year. This year. I think that's in February, so that's not too far away. Why not continue that welcome back circuit by headlining Glastonbury? You know that would go down really well. Drake is another name that came to mind. He hasn't headlined it yet. He most certainly has the popularity. He definitely has the back catalogue. He released two albums last year, Honestly, Honestly, Nevermind, and Her Loss, which was with 21 Savage, an absolute shoo-in. The Weeknd, he's already touring stadiums. I think he's got. A, he's just finished his current run in North America. I think Europe and UK is next year, but Blinding Lights recently became officially the most streamed song of all time. He's, he's a shoo-in. If he, it's not so much would Glastonbury take him, it's more would he say yes to Glastonbury, but he would be an absolute obvious choice. Doja Cat, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think she has the popularity. I don't know if she's big enough for the quote-unquote Glasgow crowd, but my heart tells me she is, and it would be incredible. It would kind of walk the same path as Billie Eilish, and even Stormzy, an artist who has one, maybe two albums, and Doja has more music than that and who's very popular with a younger crowd I think her show would be phenomenal Bad Bunny is another name that comes to mind now I'm also not sure about Bad Bunny's popularity specifically in the UK there's no question about Bad Bunny's popularity in general if you don't know who Bad Bunny is search Bad Bunny (laughs) we're in the day and age where you're not having to rely on blogs or magazines or anything to tell you what's happening and to introduce you to it. We all have access to it. I'll I'll tell you, but then the, the internet is your oyster to go and check out Bad Bunny. I think if Bad Bunny was to headline, they'd be the first, and I'm talking pyramid stage headline, main stage headlining. I definitely think Bad Bunny could headline a different stage. Any act I'm mentioning would by far be welcome to headline any other stage but I'm talking about specifically Pyramid stage, the main stage. And if Bad Bunny were to headline that stage, I think he'd be the first headliner who doesn't perform in English, which would be really cool. Then after Bad Bunny, I've got Dua Lipa. Future Nostalgia was massive. Her tour is currently massive. Again, walking the the Billie Eilish line, the Stormzy line, that newer artist, not as big a back catalogue, but such a fire fire of a brand and a personality and a presence that it would make sense. I'd be intrigued to see if they can go that route. As for other returning acts, I could see Adele coming back. I don't know if she's headlined since the newest. She headlined with, let's see, she's had 19, 21, 25 and 30 are the name of her albums. Am I right in thinking she headlined after 25? So she's had a new album since. I don't see any reason why she couldn't come back to headline again. I can't remember which year she headlined the first time, but let's see. Ed Sheeran, I don't think anyone would be, would be particularly flummoxed if he returned, and he's now touring with a full band instead of just him with the acoustic guitar and loops, so that would be a new element to bring to the Glastonbury stage. But all of those names kind of 
came off the dome, came right off the top of my head, tip of my tongue, and they're all, broadly speaking, pop. And Glastonbury, traditionally speaking, whatever that means, is where rock bands would go to headline. When I think of rock, the only new artist that comes to mind as possibly working as a headliner is Sam Fender. Sam Fender's been an absolute knockout of a presence. I've said that term a lot. I hope you don't mind. Sam Fender's really, really good. I think he has only two albums, but they have been incredibly well received. He's touring arenas in the UK. I think he could handle, he could more than handle the headline stage. And it would be great, if not absolutely necessary, to get some fresh blood in the rock canon of headlining festivals. Because beyond him, maybe Lewis Capaldi. I think it might be a stretch to call him rock. Maybe he's more in the the pop camp. Maybe file him alongside Dua Lipa as a newer artist. Only a couple of albums under the belt, but popular enough to warrant a headline stage. But for that kind of artist, headlining is more like a proving yourself worthy of your presence in the Premier League of pop acts, of live acts in general. Because I think if you can put headline Glastonbury on your CV, I'm saying in air quotes, you can by default command arena tours around the world. And that's the next stepping stone to stadium tours which is the ultimate, the highest echelon you can reach beyond, I don't know, performing from space to the whole globe or something. So Lewis Capaldi, but I think he might be more pop. Otherwise, when you're talking about rock music, I think you're really talking about the usual suspects. Your Muse, Coldplay, Green Day, Blink-182, Rage Against the Machine, Arctic Monkeys, Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Killers, Kings of Leon, The Strokes, Blur, who I think are doing Wembley Stadium this year, Oasis reunion, always a possibility. The 1975 aren't quite what I'd consider part of this usual suspects, but if they were, maybe it would feel weird to say they're in the same league as Sam Fender as a newer artist to headline. They have headlined Reading and Leeds twice, but they feel just a little bit too niche. And if you're niche, to headline Glastonbury on the main stage as a niche artist, I think you have to have existed for a long time to compensate for the fact that you're niche. So I could imagine... The Cure have headlined, and they, for me, exemplify this. They were, you know, when they arrived, they were goth rock. If I think... They, the look is goth. I don't know about the sound. But it was very much the fact they've been here since the 80s. Arguably 79, I'm not sure, but they've been here decades. So they've earned their spot. I think they're even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at this, hall of fame at this point. Similarly, Nine Inch Nails. I could see them headlining... They're very niche, but they've been around a while, and that would be what compensates for that. So the 1975, at this stage, I don't think they are mainstream enough. They're very... They are mainstream, but they're not, if that makes sense. They still feel a little bit too niche to headline Glastonbury. So maybe them in a few albums' time. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. Foo Fighters, they definitely fit the bill, along with your Muse and Coldplay's and Green Day's. But we all know they've been through a hell of a lot, the tragic loss of Taylor Hawkins last year. Too soon for them to come back. Could they come back with Taylor's son? Which is what they did when they played their their show in honour of Taylor Hawkins. And that was a very memorable moment. Um, are they just... I know Dave Grohl has appeared at other people's shows. I think recently he showed up at a Billie Eilish show in, in LA. I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think... Again, similar to like The weekend and everyone else really I've mentioned, it wouldn't be a case of would Glastonbury accept them, it would be more would they want to. 
And then if we're talk, I mentioned at the start that you would have UK act, newer pop act, some kind of rock band, and a classic act like Elton John, Paul McCartney, and that type of vein. Arguably The Cure fit that vein as well. And I'm thinking Bruce Springsteen, who I think is also on something of a... Not a farewell tour, but every tour he does, I think there's got to be the lingering thought of could this be my last chance to see him. He also had a bit of a headline over ticket prices and so on. Basically, the whole dynamic pricing thing, where as demand for tickets increases, so too does the price to reflect that, to di- to disincentivize, to put off scalpers, essentially. So instead of scalpers buying a bunch of tickets for £50 each and then selling them on for £500, the artist can sell them for £500 if there's that much demand. Bruce Springsteen, Fleetwood Mac, but they had the loss of Christine McVie recently, so again, might be too soon. Maybe next year, I don't know, but even that might be too soon. Maybe that's it for them for touring, who knows? And I tell you who's a bit of a wild card, but would be amazing, amazing if they played. Kate Bush. Arguably the artist of 2022 with Stranger Things and Running Up That Hill. The catalogue is there. The fandom is there. Kate Bush hasn't performed in many years. I think she did... I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say she's done one string of shows this century. The enigmatism... Enigmaticism is well known, which is why if she was announced, it would be incredible. Hopefully the show would be good. Hopefully she'd be okay with doing it. There might be a reason she hasn't performed live beyond just personal choice. But if she did, oh my goodness, can you imagine the furor that would cause? So yeah, that's what's been on my mind. Who would headline Glastonbury 2023 and 2024? Are there any other acts you can think of who'd make great headliners? Any acts I've mentioned that you think absolutely not? Let me know in all the usual places. Link in the bio. You can do it. Send a voice note. You can email me at saddestnightout at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Saddest Night Out. Find me on TikTok at Saddest Night Out with a three instead of an E. Find me on YouTube, Saddest Night Out, all as one word. Otherwise, thank you very, very much for listening. And thank you again to my 10 patrons who are once again Owen, Charlotte, Max, Gabriella, Ken, Curtis, Meg, Peter, Mike, and Dan. And thank you all very much for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, take care.